my name is Jem, hello. And I write the Rosé hand files. And I am your host, Akshay Chandramali. You've tuned in to the Newsletter Nerd Show, a show where we celebrate stories of independent newsletter creators. Now, this isn't a show that teaches you the tips and tricks you need to grow your newsletter. However, what we will learn together is the stories of these creators and what matters to them. And if you're all set, let's dive into today's conversation. I absolutely love the incidents you run into when you send or receive posts. I mean, you received an otter once in post, right? So can you you share me more about uh, that, uh, Zerma? I mean, I'm always a massive fan of posts. I love sending people stuff for no reason. I don't think people send things enough um, because we get so much crap through the post, don't we? Um, We get bills, but I think because everyone's online all the time, we don't get like physical stuff. Um, And I've sent a myriad of things in the post. I've sent sent cheese in the post. I've sent a potato, which that went horribly wrong because um, I sent it only to find that the girl had gone on holiday for two weeks Uh, and came back and there was this rancid potato um, in her um, in her house um googly eyes always a good thing and cards send a lot of cards but the otter came to me in the post and then it became a thing that I kind of started to send people otters in the post um and there is nothing better than an otter in the post I think there are four of us now around oh hang on no five or six of us around the country now that have otters for no reason I think it's a new writer thing but yeah that was that was peak post that otter post mm-hmm. and what do you think anybody has to do to receive one from you oh well I mean oh god that's an awful thing to say isn't it because technically I would send them to everyone but I wouldn't have any money you know what I've actually sent it the otters are particularly when people I just think need need something a bit so I ages ago I used to um I always think there's something about otters I love the way they hold hands when they mm-hmm. when they're sleeping so they don't fall apart and I love the way that they kind of lock themselves into the seaweed so that they don't float away and I think sometimes it's just because you can't hold someone's hand it's kind of a nice way of saying look I've got your hand um Mm -hmm. I'm here um so I think particularly when people when I feel people need an otter and you know I think that's yeah that's probably why so um if you haven't received a post then an otter in the post then I'm really sorry (laughs) Speaking of cute animals, Jemma, uh, you are a dog mom yourself, right? So my question now is, what would be your most favorite identity from the ones I'm just going to list below? Okay. The first one is dog mom, writer, voiceover artist, googly eyes advocate, Shits Creek mm-hmm. fanatic, and RHF. Which among these is your most favorite identity? It's really, really tough because Chicks Creek has kind of given me a whole new language. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an introvert who often says the wrong thing and doesn't know. It's kind of given me a way to speak to anyone and have the confidence to speak to anyone. So I'm kind of very torn with that. But having the confidence to now call myself a writer 
there's something really special in that um, because I was never, I never felt I was a writer. I still get goosebumps thinking that I technically can call myself a writer. I'm gonna have to say writer. I know that's probably not as exciting. Um, and you know, definitely not dog mum. That's not my favorite identity. I'm not really a dog mum. I'm kind of, an, I'm owned by a dog. <laughs> I'm a, a dog bitch, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with writer because there's something really special about being able to stay mm-hmm. say that I am. Fantastic. So why are you writing the Rosie Hand Files newsletter, Gemma? What does that mean to you? In the first lockdown, I could not write. I lost I don't a lot of people have had the same thing that I just I was completely broken. I couldn't think of anything to say. I had absolutely no words. I was I read, I could read voraciously but I just could not write I could put nothing down nothing came and all the people I was kind of following a lot of the writers and marketers were like oh yeah I've just started I'm going to write a book I'm started doing this I've, I've started a newsletter not all of them but a lot of them and I was just like I can't even how the first thing I wrote having had this kind of oh it must have been six months or something that I just couldn't write anything for myself was see if I can still for isolated talks I wasn't going to write it I just saw they were doing it and it was kind of a prompt it was the first prompt I'd had and I wrote it and I said I sent a message to Giles and I said look I've written something I'm not going to obviously send it in or anything but thank you because I've just been able to write for the first time in forever and it was down to you kind of giving me that prompt I did eventually record it and um, send it in, but I realised over kind of the next, another six months probably, that often in order to write for me, I needed a prompt. I, I, I found it very easy to reply to people. If people asked me question or they asked, they had, they wanted advice or they not even wanted advice, if they had, you know, if they were just talking to me about something, I seemed to always have the words but I never just had them to write if that makes sense like a blog and um I've always loved um Nick Cave's Red Hand Files I love the way he answers those questions so lyrically and beautifully and I know that I'm not capable of doing that but I always wanted people to feel when I write I wanted people to feel connected and heard and like somebody was bearing witness I mean when I when I was on Twitter and I when I first felt that people were actually hearing me and that my voice mattered and that they were interested in what I had to say or that anybody was listening that was the first time that I felt not alone or less alone and I always want to give that back I think there's something about the way I write it's not just for me the process is for me but the writing is not for me once it's out into the world it's for somebody else it's for somebody else to feel and hopefully one per if one person connects with it that's that's good and so I kind of thought well, what can I do to maybe use this maybe people have questions that they want to ask and maybe they just want a bit of light and I love writing satire and I never get the opportunity to so I thought oh you know what what I'll do is I'll set up a I'll do a website it'll be like a uh, agony aunt version a stupid satirical agony aunt version of nick cave's hand files i 
um, spent the second lock, no, the first lockdown deciding which were the best roses in the world. So um, I, <laughs> I thought, well, you know what, I'll just use an excuse to answer some questions, really silly, pathetic, ridiculous questions over a cup of glass of wine. And it will be nothing like the lyrical eruditeness eloquence that Nick has, but you know, it'll be a bit of fun. And it'll give me a prompt, it'll give me something to do. So I got a couple of people to send me the questions just randomly. I said, oh, you know, I'm gonna do this thing. And I don't know, I think I put out a tweet originally saying, oh, you know, if I was, I'm doing a thing, do you think I should do a thing? I'm thinking about doing a thing, do you think I should do said thing? And would you be interested in said thing? And I don't think I gave more information than that. And I think I got a few, nine people, I think said yes. And I think one person said no, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember who it was, but it was probably John. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I was like, right, I'll, I'll do that. And I wrote a few questions. I wrote them back and sent them back to people. And a couple of people laughed, a couple of people said, oh, actually that's, I actually, a couple of them, I thought, well, they, that's quite an emotional one. So I put the first one out, got, I had like 20 people sign up, my, my friends and, then I decided I'd do one on the Friday and the Saturday for some reason. I thought, oh, you know what? I'll do a silly one on the Saturday and a more emotional one on the Friday. Because actually then that gets, I get to write and ha- I get to do something that I feel is useful, but also I get to write the serious stuff and I get to you know make people laugh. Um, but then I started getting some really genuinely deep questions in. And I've had so many years of therapy and I can't, it doesn't seem to work. I, I know everything. I'm, I'm pretty much a qualified therapist that is also completely underqualified because she's so nuts. But I know, I think I'm quite an empath. I think quite deeply and kind of connect with a lot of the things that people have said. And I just thought, well, you know, I might as well use this. So people started writing more deep questions and I just thought well now I kind of feel I have a responsibility to these people some of the questions I've got in since have been really really hard and not it's not that it's who cares that it's hard for me quite frankly it's they've been hard in the way that I felt how can I answer this because there is no way to answer it is giving this person enough I'm never going to be able to have the answer. I don't have the answers to it, but maybe I can make someone feel. And I only ever answer the questions when I'm, I feel I'm able to give something to them that they'll be able to take and they'll be able to hold. So I started it simply as a prompt, um, a way to write satire and a way to kind of give back after, you know, make the most of years and years of therapy. Um, and it's become something much bigger. Um, it's be, It's become something that does what I always wanted my writing to do, which is to make people feel heard and witnessed. And I've had some lovely feedback. It's a tiny newsletter still. I mean, you know, 96 people or something like that. And obviously, you know, every week you lose a few people and you gain a few people and some of them are not as good as the others, but I kind of feel now I have to keep it going. And also I'm I'm 100 behind Nick now, because I think he's on, 154 or something and I think I put out my 54th the other day so I feel like now I've got to I've got to keep keep up with it and he brings them out randomly but often two in a week so I think we're on par to keep 
keep connected so that's that's kind of that's a very long-winded way I mean you might have to edit all of that I would not at all not at all (laughs) it's beautiful um you know because everybody sees the newsletter but nobody knows how and why you started it right so the show almost itself is a discovery to see how people begin newsletters yeah and I think you know the questions originally came from my friends and then they started coming from like your question came completely out of the blue um I got another question that came completely out of the blue from somebody I don't know one of the questions I actually took off the internet um I took off Twitter because there was a question that that somebody had asked that had hit me so hard that I wanted to write a response and I don't think she ever saw it um I did uh, post it um for her but it felt like something that other people would connect to as well and that's only happened once but I think sometimes I do take mine take the inspiration from not necessarily from things that have come in but just from things that I'm resonating that are hitting me and sometimes it takes me two or three weeks and suddenly I'm like now I'm connecting with that one I can answer it properly I only ever answer them when I'm ready to answer them properly and sometimes they're things that I literally do five minutes before um which is really bad and I mean, pretty much every week I get to the end of the week and go, fuck, I haven't got a question. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I haven't got a question that I can relate to. And I am guilty of messaging like all of my friends and going, give me, give me questions, give me questions, give me questions. And then probably not using any of them. Um, a couple of them come from my family. Um, there's one, there's big, I think all three of my family have contributed and my sister in particular, who's never read one of them, she says, she says up front, look, I've subscribed, I've never read one, never going mm-hmm. to read one. Mm-hmm. So nice. Um, my parents do read all of them, bless them. So yeah, that's that's kind of where they've they've come from. And it's been really it's it's been really nice. It's just, it's uh it's also been really nice for me to connect with people in a different way because I think some of the questions that have come through, I've felt there are things in them that other people maybe need to hear and that there are a group of people who that might resonate with. And I know that there's a couple of people who said to me, oh, you know, I shared that with people who are in a similar situation and they've found it helpful. And that's really, really nice. I just, you know, I just, I like, and I don't mind that it's only a few people, you know, it's any, I don't need, I don't need thousands and thousands of followers I'm never going to be you know I'm never going to be a Dave Harland um you know of of, of newsletters I'm never going to be that I don't really want to be I just kind of want to be me and I quite I like that mine's a bit different I like that it's somewhat I mean obviously not different from Nick's but it's uh yeah you know I was kind of thinking when you were talking I was kind of thinking back to the journey of why I started this right so the reason I started this is because I desperately wanted to know that with happiness being the only success metric, you can still do things. You didn't. Yeah. You don't have to have a big following. You don't need open rates. You don't need to chase those vanity metrics, right? So I, I connect with you hundred percent there, Tim. Um, and I think I'm getting very choked up even as I speak because I know at which point I wrote that to you, right? I desperately wanted somebody to tell me that it was going to be okay, All right? Yeah. So um, I think that is. You know, that is when I reached out to you. So. Oh, don't, don't set me off, don't set me off. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, ble- oh, now I'm, okay, don't, no. um, there have been questions that have come through. I mean, when your question came through, um, 
as I said in it, I just, how do you answer those questions? Um, and I think sometimes it isn't about having the answer. It's just about having someone to talk to. I think often we, we keep everything inside or we can only talk to people about it in one way or they always respond in, I think often people respond with solutions. And so they um, respond either with solutions or with look on the bright side or, but this is the positive thing. And I think sometimes you just need someone to hear you say, God, this is so shit. This is absolutely shit, but it's shit, but, and not shit, but it could be worse. Or it's not shit, but I don't know. There's no hierarchy of pain. I know what it's like to suffer. I don't know other people's suffering. I only know mine. And what I do know is that somebody once told me there is no hierarchy of pain. And that has really, really stuck with me because we're always told, oh yeah, it could be worse. It could be this. Think of that person. Why are you, why you've got such a lovely life? Why are you not happy? Why are you, why is, why is that causing you so much stress? Why is that causing you so much stress? And I just think that's not how, that's not how the human mind works. You know, I can have a couple of months ago, I spent a week in constant tears because I couldn't choose what towels to buy. And it wasn't because of the towels. And you, that's such a pathetic thing to think about. But actually, that was, that was my way of dealing with the fact that I, my brain couldn't process or make a decision or I think sometimes that's okay it's it's okay and you don't need the answer and you don't need someone to say oh you know but that's fine you need someone just to hear you just to hear you and respond in a way that you're being listened to and actually your question has to be heard and be able to answer ask it because often you know you can't just ask those questions because people would look at you and go well what I'm a big proponent of talking. I'm very open. Um, since I've been on social media, certainly, I've always very openly talked about my mental health and the issues I've had. And certainly one of the newsletters, um, I was quite um, very open and honest um, because I had a very hard year from lockdown to kind of even found from it was funny because when I started people started actually realizing that I who I who I was and when I say people I mean not very many people but do you know what I mean when sit fucking still came out um and people started to you know know recognize me or just see me as something and then when the ship's creep thing came it was when I was in a real state so it was all very hidden um but I think that people should feel able to talk about these things and often they're not and I'm quite happy to be the voice for that if people feel they can't I'm very happy to be I consider it my duty you know to give other people a voice if they don't feel they can one of the questions came in about um, being diagnosed with um with um, ASD um at uh, 30 38 I think and actually it's really, really common for autism not, to, or any sort of element of autism to be not um, not diagnosed until later life. It's really, really common. In fact, it's most people don't know, and it makes so much sense. And 
when I got that question, I was just thinking that this is so, this is such an important question because how do you process that? And how do other people process having similar diagnosis, realizing that their brain is, it's not them. It's, there's a, there's a and it's, it's kind of a, a respite. So I think the questions that have come through and the different topics it, I've covered or my readers have asked they have made me a better writer and a better person, I think, or more understanding. They've made me think, they've made me reflect, they've made me change my mind on things, they've made me, they've made me look deeper and think about things that have happened to me and things that have happened to other. I see myself in a lot of people, I see other people. I I um it's been a real it's been the most beautiful challenge and every week I'm like I'm not going to be doing this person justice and every week all I can do is do is do my best um and it will never be enough because some of the questions that come in fact you know all of them but sometimes you know if I can just make someone chuckle you know sometimes I've just got people come back saying that just made me laugh and it's normally really really silly and sometimes I let my brain go completely nuts there was a question that came in about tea once uh-huh yes. and <laughs> I I, that one. my brain just that day my brain was just like oh you know what we're just gonna go for, we're 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 on it we've got and that's a bit like how my brain works you know I'm I'm a million and one tabs open on my laptop I if somebody if I hear something talked about that I don't know the answer to you know if somebody mentions the other day I found I was I was working but then I saw a tweet and then I was suddenly Googling, does a platypus look like a mole? And that's very <laughs> usual for me. I have really, you know, I just, I always want to learn. I always want to know. And those little stupid things stick in my brain. And sometimes they just come out. And often with the rosy hand files, that's, and also there's those moments in life where you just go, oh my God, that is so, so perfect. Um, but yeah I always like it when they come in and if it's a if it's a sensitive one if it's somebody that I know I will always check it with them first that's maybe I maybe shouldn't say that because it's ruining the illusion but I will always check it because I think sometimes when people ask these questions if, if it is somebody that I know they may not they mean I want them to maybe hear what I'm going to say first and and feel okay with it because I it's it's I want it to feel like a safe space if some if I don't know someone then I I won't purely because um they've not asked they've not asked me they've asked Rosie Hanfiles and it feels over it feels you know I'm not it's not my place to kind of ask them to check things because that's that feels like too much um but if it is somebody that i know and it's a deep question i will always check because i think sensitivity is really important and sometimes you know your friends you say oh you know if you feel like you want to submit a question please do um and then they maybe aren't completely comfortable with it going out but um yeah that's kind of how um it's become one of my favorite things to do um and i it's hard as you know you, you get to the end of the week and you just go oh my god I've got to do that again I've got to do that again but then a question comes in and you just go that was the most important a couple of weeks ago I got a question in I knew I was getting a question but I didn't quite know how hard it would hit and I'd had a really emotional week 
I cried a lot of it. And I'd kind of just come off the end of crying. And this question came in and I cried solidly at my desk for 90 minutes. And it was the most important 90 minutes of my week because I was able to just give everything I had to that person, just give them that space. It was important. I felt it was important to cry with them. And it was also pretty uncontrollable. Um, it was, un, you know, it's some of them are really hard, but um, hard in the best way in that they matter. Um, it really matters to me. I, I, I take a lot of it. it I, I feel very responsible for making sure that um, it sounds, God, I sound so like, oh my God, it's such an important thing. It's not, it's a, it's a silly little newsletter, but it, the, the people who have, have given things in, uh, you know, it, it's important. These are, these are things that are really, you know, they, they're being vulnerable. There's something so beautiful about somebody being vulnerable and anybody who's able to, able to ask a question um, and able to talk about those things and, and is willing to do that. Um, it's, it's a very generous thing. I, I'm not one for small talk. I don't deal well in public situations. I put my foot in my mouth. I end up talking about very deep stuff because I just can't really do superficial shit. And this feels a little bit like connecting with those little individual people who I wouldn't see in the real life. Um, and I think it's a, it's a way to connect, isn't it? Because at the moment, we're all still quite isolated. Um, I certainly am still um, you know, isolated in respect of, of people around me. And um, I think it's a really nice way to feel a deeper connection with people um, across the world. I mean, that's, that's the thing when they come in from different countries and you're just like, wow, I don't even know. I didn't even know how this person, I didn't even know, like when your question came in and when you, I was like, I don't even know how you've heard of this. I don't know who, I don't know what mutual connection there's been, but actually that's really lovely. Those kind of little moments of, of stuff. So I really have waffled a lot now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that, I thought that was very beautiful. Um, it fascinates me, right? When I heard from people, how their journey has been and how they approach their newsletters. I mean, it gives me the reassurance that what I'm doing is meaningful, right? Like talking to all of you, I think it adds a lot of meaning to my life as well. So thank you for that, Gemma. I think writers are fascinating people, mm -hmm. but I think people are fascinating. And I think it's kind of a writer's job to try and understand and get as much as they can out of people because stories are the most important thing and that's a, a really a kind of cliche thing to say but the world is built on stories and there is nothing there's a story in absolutely everything there's a story in why things started why things happened where they've gone um and it's always changing and that's what is really really nice about the world and how crazy it is because you know madness makes for madness makes for stories i just bought this new neon that says bad decisions make great stories. Mm -hmm. um, I go up by my desk and obviously I'm not, you know, I think for all the stupid or all the mistakes I've made in my life, everything takes you on a different path, doesn't it? And I wouldn't, you know, I, I of all of the shitty stuff, I, I find it very difficult when people say, you know, would you, would you take it back? 
or would you change it if you could have had a life where that didn't happen and I kind of go oh I would have loved to have not had that and I would love my life to have not been I'd love my life to have been free of that pain um but would my life be what it is now would I be who I am um I often find it a very difficult question to answer and and the newsletter is a really nice way of being able to connect with with me because I've only been I've only felt like I've been me for a couple of years maybe even less than that and I've still been kind of learning and getting okay with being me um I'm not okay with being me still but I'm much I'm in a very different place with myself um so I think it's really nice to to find and also you know it's you know RHF is is me in every respect but I do feel a little bit protected by kind of her um I know that sounds a bit weird but it's weird because um now I'm at a new I'm in a new desk um I'm in a different place and it's quite weird because part of her identity I think was was pinned to that little desk was pinned to that little corner where I started writing and now I have a big desk and I want to put a different lamp up and I feel like I can't because I've committed to this little setup. So now I'm kind of toying with, do I break, do I break that or was that, will that pull away from her identity? And that's a bit of a deep thing to say about a stupid little newsletter, but it is one of those things that you think about, isn't it? You just go, oh, but what if I take the lamp away that says wine? Will everybody kind of feel that that's not really her anymore. I'm like, yeah, but I really, really want to put the penguin up. Um, so I don't know. We will we will see over the next couple of weeks, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I've got coming up this week. Actually, I haven't I haven't looked because I've been doing actual work and trying to sort out my house and trying to buy a parasol. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know what's coming up, but um, hopefully some good stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Gemma, you've spoken in detail about your newsletter, right? So I can only imagine the mental toll that it can take on you. Sometimes it can demand a lot from you. So what mm. keeps you going? Oh, the person who asked the question. Because as much toll as it takes on me, the courage it takes to write that and also the space that they must be in to be asking those questions, that's, that's brave and honest and bold beyond belief Uh, that's that's something else um and what keeps me going is is knowing that actually if they can feel heard it doesn't really matter what I if I can't answer the question they know I can't answer the question but if I can give them something something to hold on to that's what keeps me going and it is it's emotionally draining but I think people have been people have always been very generous with me when I've been vulnerable it carries me through knowing that there's something that I can there's something that I can do because often you know these situations there's really nothing you can do other than listen and bear witness and that's the one thing that I can do that's that that's the purpose so I like I, I like that so that's what you know the people who write that's what keeps me going and the people who 
you know, reply occasionally and say, I really love that, or that made me laugh, or that really resonated with me, or I get that. That's a similar thing. Um, so that's exactly what keeps me going, the people who write in. Is there any response from your readers that you've received that you hold very dear to your heart? Oh, um, I've, had, I've had some lovely things about my writing, um, which I, I, you know, I think is really lovely. If somebody says, you know, that was, that was really beautiful, thank you for that. I think absolutely every single one of them, really. Every single one of them. Um, any, any, anyone who gets in touch to say that meant something or thank you or that, that made me laugh or brilliant. Um, and actually, I must say that whenever my dad responds and says, oh, you know, that was very nicely handled or mm -hmm. ha ha. <laughs> um, that's that's always quite nice um they get to see a little bit of the stuff I'm doing so they just they all regardless of what it just it's nice if somebody responds to your newsletter it's just or you know what it's always really nice if people um when people retweet little quotes that I've written um little bits of it I just think that's really I'm always really touched by that um and it's useful for me to see oh okay that they people like that people felt that um that's really lovely because when i whenever i'm writing something i i feel everything i write i don't ever write anything for the sake of it um and often i waffle but i kind of mean all of the waffling and sometimes the waffling is is meant to yeah i mean obviously when i'm talking i <laughs> probably far less eloquent than i am after a little bit of editing but um yeah it's it's any feedback is lovely I've never had any horrible feedback and you know there are some topics that I just think oh god I wonder if how how do I answer that and make sure that you know will that be will somebody say oh you know how dare you even try and answer that question or you know I don't get that or I think you I just you know I've never had any horrible feedback it's really lovely um I don't think there's enough people read it to, and you know so many of them are my friends anyway I'm not mm -hmm. sure how many people open it um but the people who seem to like it so yeah mm -hmm. I think to wrap up the first segment, I have this last question for you, um, Gemma. How would you say the newsletter has transformed you as a person and has transformed your life? It's been, it's been a real gift. Um, it's given me a purpose. It's given me more confidence in my writing. It's given me a level of connection with people that I know and didn't know or do know now and didn't know before. Um, it's made me, it's really, really made me reflect on the way I look at the world um, and the way I think about myself. Um, and it's made me very grateful that I have had all these years of therapy because I think, you know, they always say, you, know, you can't take your own advice. I can't, but everything that I've spoken to about people over the years has all I've learned something from it clearly there's something in it I always think um I'm I feel like I've lived hundreds and hundreds of years I feel like I'm a tortoise um I I'm not I mean I'm 36 but I feel like I've lived far too many numbers of 36 over I can't quite believe that I feel there's something I don't think I'm wise but I seem to have a lot of kind of emotional knowledge or um, I'm quite, I'm very self-aware and I'm quite 
in tune with I see I, I get things I think uh when people say things I kind of I can there's something in me that normally can find a connection and find a way to express it that's one of the things I love about words and I love about being a writer is that often you can't really explain a feeling um and as a writer if I can explain that feeling maybe it's easier there's um there's a really amazing writer and illustrator called Ali Brosh and um she wrote a book called Hyperbole and a Half and it's about anxiety and depression and she's just brought out a second book which is an absolute tome it's taken forever in the making but that's probably why um but she does these incredible illustrations with really great analogies of feelings and it's kind of how do you explain to someone how you're feeling how do you explain to someone what your um, what your emotions are doing when there is no rationale and there is no finite reason or logic how do you kind of explain um, an emotion or a feeling or an anger um, or a sadness and how do you how do you express that to people in a way that they understand why you are behaving, feeling, seeing things in the way that you are? Um, and I seem to be able to find, I've always needed words to try and explain that myself. And I think that's what I, I think that's what I can sometimes do that maybe people need, they need the they need somebody to find a way to explain it um, in a way that they then feel that's what it is. Like, that's exactly how I feel. That's, that's, that's the emotion. That's the, you know, I listen to friends. I listen to people talking. I take a lot from how other people address, deal with, explain their own emotions. And there have been things that have been very, that have been unlocked for me. Um, I've put quotes in before. Um, and there are things that I've heard people say that have really resonated that I have then maybe put in because they that is that is right. I think if you can find a way to explain it, and you can't always find it. There's another guy um, on on the Twitters, um, and he is called now Joe Trasini, Trasini. Um, he's uh, an actor. He was in uh, soap. Can't remember which one. And now he does uh, theatre. He um, talks really incredibly about uh, BPD. I heard him on a podcast once and hearing the way that he explains and expresses emotions and how things impact him, those sorts of things really stick with me. And I'm constantly trying to explore ways that I can express um, feelings in that sort of way. So those sorts of things, um, that's that's kind of how it has changed me I I'm just I'm more curious I'm more um empathetic I feel yeah it's given me it's given me something that's made me feel you know what that's that's why I write that's exactly why I write so yeah beautiful um I think with that we've wrapped up the first segment of this show and the second segment is called the reading room You pick any favorite edition of your newsletter and you read it out for us. Do you have a favorite edition picked out? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I know you told me I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at reading out my own stuff, you know. 
I know you're meant to read out loud everything you write. I know it's something meant to. I'm really, really not good at doing that. I read it all in my head and I read it aloud in my head, but I very rarely actually read it out. And I, I know that you know there are going to be writers out there going, what are you doing? Um, but I, I do it, I do it in my head loudly, um, but not out loud. So um, I, I'm not going to be the best orator, but I will do my best. Go for it, Gemma, whenever you're ready. Okay, so. Um, Dear RHF, as Hadaway once asked, what is love? Yours, baby don't, Suffolk. Dear baby don't, we're told a lot about love, what to do, how to feel, and what to say. We're told a lot about love, just not what it is. Because love is hard to explain and love is different for everyone. I think a lot about love, how it feels, how it hurts, how it heals. I think a lot about love. Love is not Valentine's Day. It's not a promotion, a campaign, or for profit. Love is not a one-size-fits-all cardboard cutout of roses and chocolates and champagne. It's not a gesture you're pressured to make. Love is not Valentine's Day. It's not any day. Love is not a day or a month or a year. It's not a piece of paper, a contract, a chair cover. Love is not a calendar reminder. I think a lot about love. I think a lot about what it is. Love is many things. Love is the things that matter. It's cards for no reason. It's a potato, googly eyes or cheese in the post. And I have done all of these things with varying degrees of success. It's, I saw this and thought of you. The silent locking of eyes. It's those wordless gif exchanges that say everything and nothing at all. Love is the random acts of kindness. It's, I bought you the fancy mushrooms you like. It's, I made you tea. It's, you have the last piece. It's, no, I don't want. Even if you do. Even if you really fucking want the last piece. It's a toy at your feet. It's a pour on your lap. It's... I thought you'd want, I thought you'd like, I think you need. It's, I drew this for you. It's us. It's a post-it, a text or a call. It's, I'm thinking of you right now, wherever you are. Love is, I wish you were here. It's your awesome, in case you didn't know, in case I didn't say, in case you forgot. And I'm sorry, I ate the last piece. It's, you amaze me, constantly, because you're you. It's, I miss you, for no reason, even when you're here. Lovers, I want you to stay. It's, hold me, my feet are cold. It's, your feet are always cold. It's laughter until it hurts, until you wet yourself. Love is trusting no one will judge. It's, I love this song. It's, I know. It's playing on repeat, although you hate it. It's putting the toilet roll back the right way round every single time. Love is, it's hearing their footsteps, hearing their voice. It's hearing their, it's investing in earplugs. It's watching them sleep. 
love is the little things. It's, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. It's, you're not fine. It's, no, I'm not fine. It's, I'm here. Trust me. Let me in. It's, breathe. It's, I know. I do. I will. And unspoken forever and always. Love is not having to say. It's, I hate you. It's, no, you don't. It's, yes, I do. It's, come here. No. It's, please. It's, okay. Love is starting over. Love is choosing to stay. It's, I can't do this. It's, yes, you can. We'll do it together. It's, I'm terrified. It's, me too. It's, hold my hand. Love is a fight, but love is not fighting alone. It's, I can't do this. It's, me neither. I'm sorry. It screams across the kitchen, the slamming of doors. It sobs into the pillow. It's pain beyond belief and silence. It's, what now? It's, I don't know, but I'm scared. Love is having something to lose, and love is having to leave. Love is having to say goodbye. It's a gradual, imperceptible longing, an intense and passionate lust. It's a gentle, understated desire, and a violent, frightening urge. Love is everything muted, life mellowed, pastel-hued, it's a blur. It's intoxicating, a pull. It's a whisper. It's hot and it's warm and it's kind. It's comfortable, familiar and safe. It's everything heightened, full-volumed, intensified. It's cold, unkind and unfeeling. It's brutal, unpredictable. It's a risk. Love is a black and white punch in the face. It's your gut aching. It's your heartbreaking. If nothing else, love is a paradox. It's painful, it's terrifying, and it's beautiful. It's exquisite, it's ravaging, and it's raw. Love is loss, love is grief, love is death. Love is, I wish I'd told you, I wish I'd said, I wish you'd known. Love is never having enough time. It's hurt, and it's anger, it's despair. It's time, and it's space. Love is chaos. It's complicated and messy and it's frightening. It's ecstasy and agony. Love is hard. Love is everything else disappearing because love is bigger than it all. Love is forgiveness, forgiving them for telling you it would be different, for not loving you in the way you needed to be loved, for not being able to. Forgiving yourself for believing it would be different. For not loving yourself in the way you needed to be loved. For not being able to. Love is learning to let go. Let go of what you thought it would, thought it should, hoped it would be. It's accepting it for what it is. Love is learning to move on. From the brutality you've held at your heart, the punishment you've shown your body, 
the guilt that's destroyed your soul. Love is healing yourself from within, over and over and over. Love is other people. The unbearable guilt of letting them down, the unmeasurable joy of lifting them up. And love is a process. It's lowering the shield down on your bruised, broken heart long enough to let someone in. It's wading through the wreckage of a lifetime's broken promises and putting yourself back together, piece by beautiful piece. Love is all of this and some of this and more. Love is many things. Love is you. It's learning to love yourself in the way you always dreamed you'd be, the way your frightened, fragile heart has loved you from the beginning. Imperfectly perfect, just desperate for you to love it back. We're told a lot about love, what to do, how to feel, what to say. Love is not having the words. Because, my sweet baby, don't love, real love, is not needing them. Yours, RHS. I had goosebumps as you read across it. I mean, how beautiful is it? I, I, I can't gather the words to say the experience that you've taken us through. And I still remember this because when I read it, I couldn't believe somebody was capable of writing so well. Like taking the most abstract concept in life and then, you know, bringing it to life that way. Beautiful, Tim. Um, that's the only word I keep coming back to. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, it's actually really nice to write, to read that out. Um, I uh, it's one of my it's one of my favorite ones. I think love is a real weird thing, and um, it was uh, it's a really wonderful thing to to write. And actually, it was that was rewritten for the newsletter because I originally wrote about love uh, a couple of years ago on Valentine's Day or just before Valentine's Day and going back to that piece and rewriting it in a way that felt real and current and where I was was a really really lovely process um, and also a really good way to realize how much my writing is better now. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Beautiful, uh, Jim. I think that way you've given the second segment of the show a beautiful wrap as well. And we move on to the final segment of the show, Jemma. And okay. this is called Have You Ever? Ooh. The rules are very simple. I ask you a couple of questions and you answer them with a yes or no. Okay. All right. Are you ready to play Have You Ever? I am. I am ready. All right, so this is your first question. Have you ever unfriended someone in real life for reusing tea bags? No, but I moved in with my ex and no, sorry, what it was a one word question, was it? No, but I moved in with my ex and it was nearly all over when I saw that that was that was that was a done thing. Should never be done. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not saying it wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next question of have you ever. Have you ever considered giving up on your newsletter? Yes, every week. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the next question of have you ever. John. Have you ever been guilty of preaching things that you wouldn't follow yourself? 
No. Okay. That's that's not true, is it? Um, I talk a lot about treating yourself kindly, um, and I don't treat myself kindly. Um, I, no, I never have. Um, I'm better at it, but um, I, uh, I'm very guilty of comparing. I'm very guilty of underselling myself. I'm very guilty of punishing myself and judging myself on impossible standards um and i would never judge other people on what i what i'm not what i so i'm guilty of i suppose saying things i would practice myself but i'm never i would never say something that i don't believe genuinely i believe i should i just find it very difficult to do i hope better days lie ahead for you um Jenna, where you can truly you yeah. know treat yourself kindly a work in progress we're all a work in progress aren't we mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely this brings me to the very last question of the show and the segment Gemma are you ready for the final question I am ready for the final question all right have you ever seen your newsletter as a creative escape from the world no um I see it as the opposite it's kind of it's the, it's getting into the real world as closely and as deeply as you possibly can um and even the silly ones that's my world you know if i write something ridiculous that's my brain that's my world that's what i'm existing in so um i wish it was a sometimes i wish it was a creative escape from the world but no i don't really have my my work i suppose my work writing is a creative escape from the world mm-hmm. but um this is completely the opposite fantastic i think with that we've wrapped up very well uh, the entire show uh, jema thank you so much for being here i had an incredible time jema i hope you oh, had a good thank time thank you so yeah. much for asking me i am going to cringe listening back to this actually i'm <laughs> definitely not listening back to it but i hope you don't lose loads of listeners from this but thank you so much it's been lovely and i really appreciate you uh, you've heard you can hear panting that or just sniffing or snoring at any point of this it's my dog um it's not me um so she has thankfully behaved herself a little bit better than expected <laughs> Oh I'm quite happy God. to send photos if anybody wants to follow my Twitter <laughs> she is there occasionally and she's certainly on Instagram um but her quieter version which is the <laughs> muter is the best her uh-huh been lovely really really lovely